Welcome everybody back to the Domcast episode 51, here to cover an NBA final series that is tied 1-1. Honestly, this podcast shouldn't take long. It's probably going to set a record in terms of short podcasts. Well, for the Domcast anyways, should be fun. If you have been having fun listening to the pod, it is on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, it is on YouTube, and y'all rating it helps across the platform. So if you're on Spotify, you see the stars, you just got to press it. Apple Podcasts lets you leave reviews. And of course, on YouTube, there is a like button. It still throws me that dislikes are gone. I look at my videos on my main channel sometime and I'm like, you really can't give negative feedback anymore besides comments, which can also be hidden. That's crazy. <laughs> The propaganda you can push on yourself is crazy. Anyways, this NBA final series between the Warriors and Celtics has been a very, I I would say, despite the scores, I would say interesting so far in terms of the third quarter Warriors looking like a storybook in in terms, I was about to say in terms, in terms of that historic fourth quarter run by the Celtics that ended up helping them snag game one and If you're Boston up to this point, like mission accomplished again, if you listen to this podcast a couple of days later, know that it was done after game two. So this is after they leave Golden State and yeah, mission fucking accomplished. They left one one. They got the first game, which left them virtually no pressure to win the second game. Now, I'm not going to say I'm satisfied with it. I thought that there were legitimate ways for them to end up leaving 2-0. I thought that was very much possible. Uh, they, they started game two in the way that I had hoped, and then it kind of fell apart. But a lot of things that they were doing to start game two was the reasons why. Well, I picked Golden State to win game two. I, the, the type of team that they are and the type of composure they have and the things they've been through, I did not think they were going to allow themselves to go back to boston down 0-2. however i thought there were ways that boston could have got that done so not satisfied but also surprised at the reaction um i mean i get it when your team wins you talk but definitely surprised at the reaction after game two uh, of people who weren't fans of boston because it was like uh in a playoff series in general but especially a final series if you were the team that doesn't have home court advantage the very early goal is to take home court advantage and they did that so uh regardless of how that that's they're headed back to boston with a chance if they if they won both home games they got a chance to go at 3-1 there but that's in the future we'll talk about what actually happened here and what's the likelihood that they would end up going up 3-1 because again golden state deserves all the credit and respect in the world this is a hell of a team that is not even what they used to be and that is what we that's one of the things we'll be talking about so First of all, game one, we're just going to order and then we'll talk about some of the more general stuff. Game one, I was very, 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 very confused and shocked about the defensive game plan against Steph because and not that it wasn't that they just left them open. I was confused as especially the coach that Amy Yudoka has been. It's like, why did you leave him open? He had a 21 point first quarter explosion, practically because the Celtics came out and said, all right, we're going to test Steph Curry and come out and play uh, heavy drop coverage, which means and <laughs> did y'all listen to the finals preview podcast I made? Right. You remember when I said there was no way the Celtics were going to come out and drop coverage. They came out in a heavy, a heavy drop coverage and. The reason I said that wouldn't happen is because I didn't feel like there was a need for them to test that. 
like why test if Steph can make shots or not. I know he's had a slump this year, and I know he his playoff shooting numbers haven't been as a whole what they've been in, in previous years. And I get that, but in a series where he just has to win four more games to to collect a title, why even why even test the question? Can the greatest shooter of all time by far make open shots? And so he did that. Um, Boston couldn't get over the screens. And then once he was on the other side of it, it's like Al Horford or Rob Williams way back. And that's just, that was just way too easy. So scored 21 points in the first scored 13 points the rest of the game. It's because Boston tightened up the defense, uh, on the fly, on the fly adjustment, which once again, that's just more confusion for me because you saw that Marcus Smart clip that they tried to take and twist into Miami slander, where he was like, oh, this isn't the Miami series. And then the eye emojis came out, and all he was literally saying is, it's not the Miami series. We can't play back on their shooters. We can't guard the screens and drop, is all he was saying. He was saying that the big men have to be up. But also, that just feels like something we all knew. And so, I don't know. I It, it just, I always tell y'all, I have a really hard time understanding what happens in professional coaching sometimes, but I, I guess I just wanted to test it and they had that adjustment ready. And so after that, uh, Rob, whoever was on the other side of the screen came up, uh, they tried their hardest to fight over and, uh, they basically, you know, Steph would come off and practically if, if they didn't get over the screen, he would still end up seeing two bodies, one on the front and one on the side until, uh, the, the ball defender recovered. And then that was kind of that. It, it got really tough and he wasn't getting looks. Now, where that ended up mattering was the the main question I asked in the preview. What are you going to get from Clay Thompson? It sounded like a simple question, but I asked it for a reason. It's because if you've been watching the Warriors, Clay is not the old Clay. He's still there and he'll still hit some shots, but he's not the old Clay. Those one leg shots that he takes, the little fades in the mid range, hell, the open threes, the open transition threes. They are not automatic right now. It's not like it. It's not as scary as it used to be. So I wondered about that. Uh, who's the number two? Who's just the consistent number two after stuff? And I think in game one, that kind of ended up hurting because in that third quarter run that they went on and throughout some of the game, Otto Porter was hitting Otto, Otto Porter was hitting and extending the lead. But the third quarter in the first game never got that out of hand. The first, the third, um, the third quarter was okay. They're hitting some shots. Otto Porter, he's at a certain point. I think he was three for three on threes, and I can't remember exactly how much he ended up with. But I was going by the end of the third. Okay, they're down four. Sorry, twelve points. Um, they just took Golden State's best shot. Jason Tatum has done nothing in terms of scoring the ball. They can put together a run here in this at the beginning of this fourth, make this a close game. Now, I didn't expect the type of run that they got. <laughs> That was not in question. Them hitting damn near every three pointer that they took. What was the run? Forty to seventeen. It was it was the biggest fourth quarter turnaround in history, I believe. Or I don't know if it's finals history or NBA history, but the biggest turnaround when a team enters down uh, double digits or twelve points, they turned around and had a forty to something run, and that caused controversy because on one hand you had people going, "Why it did?" Steph play in this certain rotation. Of course, that's the Golden Steve Kerr question. There was that. But then also people were going, well, Boston's not going to make threes like that all the time. So they've pretty much escaped with game one. The Warriors could have easily had won that game, which, yeah, they there's uh, there's some truth to that for sure. That was 
pretty much what Draymond said on his podcast at the end was, or I don't know if it was his podcast or in uh, a press conference, but practically said, hey, those guys shooting that well in terms of uh, Derek White, in terms of, uh, I believe, Al Horford, um, basically Celtics role players shooting that well. He said, we'll live with that. We'll take that because, again, some truth. He's saying when it comes to great teams, you just take away what you can. You're not going to take away everything. And if a team gets hot, then they just blew the whole casket on the operation, basically. And so that's what happened. That's what happened uh, at the end of game four there. The thing I will say, because, yeah, there was some shots that Derek White hit that were just, just bullshit. One or two of them. Definitely the one where Steph had him smothered. thing I will say about Mr. White, though, is that he has been creeping back to his Spurs shooting days do you remember if you remember anything about him he played for san antonio he was not a self-cover from three might not have been an excellent three-point shooter or a great three-point shooter he was not a self-cover though he came to boston and he was a self-cover and so as the playoffs have drug on you've seen that getting better you've seen him first of all he's never been unwilling to take those threes he'll he'll shoot two or three of them a game he's never been unwilling to shoot him when he's open because he knows that he can shoot he knows he can make those i would say for a large part especially in shots that boston is needed he he's shot it pretty well and so um he ended up with 20 plus points a huge huge reason they came back his defense has, has been good as well and uh they were the, the celtics were able to overcome the tatum performance because there's just been a lot of growth it's been a lot of growth in that pairing between he and Jalen Brown. You remember the first game of the season for the Boston Celtics when Tatum played, uh, and they were, sorry, the Celtics were playing the New York Knicks, I think, and it was a hood classic for sure, probably OT or double OT. It's a great game, but Jason Tatum shot, what was it? Uh, a horrible percentage, something of 30. He took 30 shots and had four assists. I want to say seven of 30. It was really, really bad. And it, it was NBA Twitter was fun that night because it was just like, yo, he really has that that Dion Waiters quote up right now about the sh- <laughs> if that's a real quote, the meme, you know, the meme quote. I'm not even sure if Dion Waiters actually said it, but the thing about going 0 for 100 Tatum would not stop shooting. He had the mentality of whatever. It's just a missed shot. He just would not stop shooting. I even think they ended up or he ended up taking the, the game winning shot or the game winning attempt. Meanwhile, Jalen Brown probably had 40-something that night, and we were just going, why did Tatum get that shot? And so this has been a lot of growth because in finals game one, he ended up with 13 assists, and he was much more willing when he didn't have it going, it seemed, to A, find the right play in terms of passing, and B, just taking a back seat because Jalen Brown had it going. When the fourth quarter came up, it was like, all right, and I totally agreed with the decision. If you were at the watch party, you know I got exactly what I wanted. I said, this is the Tatum cold game. It's normally game three. This time it's game one. This is that game where Tatum just, he just can't hit anything. Even the easy shots just aren't going. I don't know what it is. It's probably, maybe it's his deal with the devil like Steph had in 2016. But Tatum, maybe this is just his deal. He gets one game random out of a series where nothing is going. And so when I saw that, I was just thinking, it's Jalen Brown time. Let him cook because whatever happens, we're not getting any any shots from Tatum this quarter. And they did that. They seem to have understood that really well. Uh, Jalen Brown, again, able to get to his his spot in the mid range, not afraid to take the three. Uh, we'll get to the rim. He did all of the above and led that comeback. And then everybody else hit their shots. And so definitely a bit of a perfect storm. But I just don't want to let uh, the Jalen Brown run in that quarter go unnoticed. 
and the fact that Tatum did not <laughs> shoot himself into um, oblivion. So def definitely growth from the first game of the season to the first game of the NBA Finals in a season that's been all about growth for them. So those things happened and Boston walked away with game one, which again, however it happened, mission accomplished because now it's a tied series it's zero zero going back to boston it's one one but i'm just saying zero zero like nobody has a lead uh going back to going back to boston game two this is where <clears throat> this is why i picked golden state to win game two is because i said you know what after game one and they survived that third quarter run i know boston has the basketball ways that they can win they have uh, a defensive plan against Steph to not just let him score 21 in the first quarter because they exercise that almost immediately. So they've got that. They've got multiple ways to score. They've clearly been able to create open threes. And Tatum is probably going to have a bounce back game. I knew that was going to happen. Uh, you, you know what you've got in Jalen Brown if you need it, which actually they started the game with that. So I looked and said there are ways that they can do this, but I'm worried about which boston gets in game two i'm worried about that because it does not seem it is not pressure when no matter how much you say or tell the media we're not we're not happy about that game whatever you say when you win game one of the finals all the pressure is on that home team because if they leave without a win the series i won't say it's over but it's effectively over especially if you're playing a, a great defensive team like boston you lose both your home games unless there's an injury on the other side it's effectively over so I was just going, man, with this uh, with this lack of pressure, lack of urgency that'll probably happen with the Celtics. I wonder if that'll end up showing through. And really, I thought that would show through in the first quarter. Um, and this is not to get this isn't to avoid giving Golden State credit. Uh, that's coming. That part is coming. But they came out hot. They came out tight defensively. They did not show Steph the same looks from the first quarter. They, um, let, like I said, let Jalen Brown cook early. Tatum started having the shot going early. It looked for a second, for a split second, like they might be able to run with it and keep a, you know, 12 to 15 point lead until around the fourth quarter when it inevitably, or probably the third quarter when it would inevitably shrink. I thought they were going to be able, I thought it was going to be that type of game. But guess what happened, y'all? <laughs> Do you remember when I said that the, when I did the podcast preview for the series and I said, I'm worried about Boston's turnovers, even though the Warriors turn over the ball as well. I'm really worried about Boston's turnovers against this specific team. They turned it over seven times in the first quarter. Seven times. And if you go back and watch that first, yeah, sure. Give Golden State's defense some credit. But also, boy, was was the Celtics just putting themselves in tough positions. I'm talking like dribbling through tight spots, uh, you know, walking into spaces where you just knew that was there was a high chance of a turnover. There was one play later, not in the first quarter, but later where Boston's play didn't do anything for about seven or eight seconds. And then it ended up with Jalen Brown having the ball in the wing. And he got trapped immediately. Like he got trapped. You could see it coming from a mile away. He had to throw a bad pass. It was a turnover. Overall, oh gosh, I just looked at the number. How many game two? So they had seven in the first, which effectively erased that lead that they had. Um, that would have gone a long way to keep, but whatever. That got erased. They ended up with 18 turnovers for the game. They ended up with 18 turnovers on the game. Um, you, you just can't do that against Golden State because not even whether they're going to convert immediately on those points 
But the margin of error is tiny because that third quarter run is coming. I'm going to get to the third quarter run, though. I'm going to get to the third quarter run. Uh, shout out to Steph. Even with the good defense, he found ways. He found cracks in it. And you know what a big part of that was? Because, again, they did not come out in the same super heavy drop that they used. He ended up with uh, 29 points, 5 of 12 from 3. So 9 of 21 overall isn't pretty. But when Steph is hitting 5 of 12 from 3, you're probably good. Got to the free throw line. Um, and it got got seven free throws. But you know what? Ha you know what really helped change the equation just a little bit? Gary Payton. That return helped. Now, I had said that. I was wondering when he was going to play or if he could play. It didn't sound like Steve Kerr did not make it sound like he was ready to shoot yet. And he came in and he made a three pointer after missing both his free throws. He made a three, but not just defensively, though. It's because of how he changes the lineup and what he allows Golden State to do in terms of going small, which really, really helps, especially if they've got other things going. Just because, again, there was one play in the first where Steph Curry switches or they switch Al Horford on Steph Curry, which, by the way, I, I'm going to keep referencing the preview. Just I know you're tired of it. I'm going to keep uh, referencing the podcast preview. Um, well, I said they didn't want Steph Curry. They weren't going to want that matchup consistently to go to it. Well, if you can get him completely on like an ISO side, yeah, they, they like that with Curry on Horford. If you can get him with spaced, if you can get the floor spaced and you can get him on an ISO side, yeah, I think they like Curry on, on Horford for sure. But in the first quarter, it wasn't spaced. They got that switch. Curry tried to try to get by Horford. Horford stayed with him. Not only that, but Draymond was spaced on the wing, which you know what that means. Robert Williams was right there. Steph thought he might have had a three. Rob shades over a little bit. It's not there. Uh, I think that play ended up in a late foul, but Horford was able to stay with him really well. So obviously not ideal to have him uh, stuck switched onto a guard. But if the space is a certain way, he's versatile enough to be able to stay with him. Anyways. Gary Payton, when he's on the floor, they like to use him as a screener as well. GP is also being guarded a lot of the times by a big. So whether that's Rob Will, whether that's Horford, they have him matched up on a bit because Gary Payton, his shots, uh, his perimeter shooting, like it's okay. But out of everybody else on the floor, you probably would rather the play in with him shooting than anyone else. And so that's the guy that that's the candidate that you roam on. Problem is when he screens, he, he his quickness, uh, how how fast he's able to dive, how fast he's able to maneuver, that hurts Boston quite a bit when you have a big guarding, when you have a big guarding him, because now you have to worry about the pressure uh, that Gary Payton is creating with a roll, and you have to worry about the speed of Steph and how quickly the ball defender was able to get over the screen or how he was able to stay with Steph. You have to worry about a lot of things that involve speed when you're doing this guard screening. And so that is currently, it's funny out of everything that happened, right? Boston was down damn near 30 in that game. Out of everything that happened, I am currently most rattled by how Ime is going to adjust to that. Cause Golden State found something with it. They found something with the Gary Payton screens. They found something in terms of being able to, because again, they're not going heavy drop on stuff, but sometimes you almost have to because Gary Payton is so quick with it that, and he, if he, you know, if he pulls down after he set the screen, if that's Horford there, that's Rob. Uh, if you don't want to give up an open layup or end up giving up a three on the, on the opposite wing, you pretty much have to drop down a little bit. Um, 
unless you just want to full trap Steph, which again, with the Warriors movement, full trapping Steph all the time is kind of like a last, last, last resort. Because that's going to create other open shots. At that point, you're just daring that, let's say, Wiggins is going to miss or Poole or Clay or Otto, which I think Otto is going to get a lot more minutes as the series goes up. I think Porter is going to get a lot more minutes because the more Golden State can space, the more they can deter Boston from going to a full-time, full-time trap on Steph, uh, which this team is good enough that I don't think you can successfully full-time trap him. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. When you watch game three, watch what Boston does or if they do anything to adjust to the Gary Payton screens. That's currently what's got me feeling some type of way. Because when it was Looney screening or Draymond, when it's anybody else screening, I'm like, all right, you know, they can they can adjust like they did in game one and they can show and whatever if Draymond gets the ball. Like you they'll probably get some points out of it, but uh, it, everything just happens much, much quicker with Payton on the floor. Then obviously, yeah, his his defense as well. You get excuse me. Hope the mic didn't catch that. That's so rude. <laughs> if you uh yeah, on, on the defensive lineups for obvious reasons, GP helps. So his addition helps us quite a bit. So yeah, the third quarter run happens. And honestly, I just can't figure out how it's like a goddamn magic trick. And this has been happening forever with the Warriors. It's been happening just dates back. This is oldest, this is as old as time itself, but it's so frustrating now that it's I'm watching my team go through it because how they just magically decide all right the pressure is all the way up we're gonna we're gonna hit shots the momentum is gonna shift and that's happened twice now if you're the warriors that's probably why you feel good it's because you're going okay well if i again i think it takes some overlooking of a lot of other stuff that other basketball stuff that happened but if you want to feel good, you can really go and say, all right, well, this third quarter run happened twice. And Boston, they survived the first one enough. They were only down 12 by the time the fourth quarter came around. And then they had the historic shooting. So, but still, though, the third quarter run did happen. And then in game two, it happened and then it did not survive. If we can get that going every game and we're always able to build a double digit lead, then the pressure is on the pressure is on the Celtics. The pressure is on them to come back. And in a game like and like last time, you also have Jordan Poole going too. Like you have Jordan Poole going from the three point line. Hell, you've got pretty much everybody contributing something. They're all doing that. The lead is probably going to be too big by the time uh, they start to mount this comeback. And so Poole, obviously, um, you've seen the memes, but yeah, he he got if he's if he's out there, he's got to be contributing that type of game two performance because otherwise his defense is not great. And so he's got to be giving you uh, what you hoped he would when the playoffs started. Speaking of defense, by the way, I think there was a segment on this podcast where we kind of talked about Steph's defense and praised it a little bit. Ah, you know what? As a matter of fact, yeah, it was in the, the preview pod. I did do such a thing. And, uh, you know, just if you are still in denial about his defense, go and watch. Go and watch it in game two. He was nice. He's very nice. Uh, the activity is great. He's very physical. Uh, he's making the, the right rotations and reads like Steph on the defensive end. Again, hasn't been bad for a while, but especially in game two, he was flat out good. <laughs> he was flat out good. And that's a huge that's a huge thing for the Warriors to uh, that's a huge factor for them, just because the one thing that you can do is say he's undersized and so if you can get a switch with jt or jalen brown on him you can you, you can get a look whether it's shooting over him uh, he got switched out to jt a couple of times and jt just shot it like he wasn't there so you can always do that because of his size if you have star scoring wings you can do that but the fact that you can't abuse 
everything else is is really big the fact that you're saying okay the one thing you'll be able to take advantage of is the size uh if you can't add to that that's a really really big factor for golden state because i just get the feeling that people have thought that he's been bad at a lot of things that he's not bad at just because he out of the whole warriors lineup he might be the target um doesn't make him a bad defender it's got to be nuanced there so step defense um other than that, I think the Celtics just rushed a hell of a lot. We talked about the turnovers in the first quarter and the and the overall tally for the game. But what got especially frustrating to watch, two turnovers in the first quarter, they were Marcus Smart just throwing a pass a little bit earlier. They were trying to be creative. I think he tried to hit JT on a cut for one of them. Can't remember who tried to hit on the other. They were really nice ideas, but the pass came about a second too late. So got to clean stuff like that up. And then there were just times where they just, even if it wasn't a turnover, they just rushed, man. Al Horford has Steph Curry on him, which again, we're talking about the, the size thing. But as soon as they saw the matchup, the Warriors saw that matchup, they immediately started doing the work early to take away the advantage. However, Horford didn't necessarily do much to help with that either. Uh, or to help himself with that either the, him trying to post up as quickly as possible him trying to get the ball as quickly as possible uh, as soon as he got it he just kind of started barreling and nothing came of it and i was just going man that that either has to be two points from horford or it has to be a well-spaced floor and an open shot for somebody else and instead it just turned into a very rushed missed shot and rushing was the theme there was a time during the warriors run where it, <clears throat> where it felt like okay you can survive this and Celtics just insisted on taking very quick shots. Jalen Brown early in the shot clock on a fast break did like a 180 spinning fadeaway. I'm like, bro, what is that? There was another play earlier in the first half where uh, he had Steph on him and he took a instead of, again, putting pressure and either getting his own shot or getting somebody else's shot. He took a step back three with Steph on. Him. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> There's, so there was those two. And. Again, just many more rushed plays of of trying to to step through space that isn't space and getting the ball stripped. And I that right there is what really killed them, because every single time they could start to build something, they had the building blocks of momentum. They would just they would shoot themselves in the foot and they would uh, either lose a possession or get a bad shot out of it. And that was the urgency I'm talking about. I really felt like they just didn't they had the lead. And so they were playing like fuck it they were playing like if we can get some really quick buckets and we do this really fast and just go on a massive run we can get it but we have the lead if we don't that's that's the that, i'm sure that's not how they were thinking but that was the vibe of their play though that was the vibe and that's what i was worried about and so overall uh that lead is swelled way too quickly and golden state was able to to walk away and tie it and you know disappointing because again i, I there was a chance i thought for boston to get it and um I mean, I picked Golden State to win it, but I thought I just thought there was a chance they could end the series early. That's not happening. They're going back to Boston tied. So, going to be interesting going forward again. The Gary. Oh, yeah. One more thing. Sorry. Game two. Draymond and his tech. The receipts are there. We were doing a watch party. We will be doing a watch party for pretty much this whole series unless I end up at one of the games. So, twitch.tv slash Dom underscore 2K. You see it in the comment section and description. Uh, the receipts are there. I did not want Draymond thrown out. I did not want Draymond thrown out because I, like I told y'all, I'm, I'm on some Goku shit right now. I want to see the the best challenges possible and the the, the hardest road possible. I want to I want to see them uh, beat the Warriors in a way that's not deniable. 
And there's already the factor that people are going to be talking about with Klay Thompson not being the same, which kind of makes this, in a, in a way, if Boston wins, I feel like people are going to kind of compare it to the, the Bulls beating the Lakers for the first time. That's when L.A. was officially through. They didn't even have Kareem at that point. But not a one to one comparison, but just in terms of the of the of the shooting where Clay is is not great right now. And it's not a surprise. Again, it was the X factor I had for the series, but it's not a surprise. I'm sure he'll get it going for a certain game in the series and there'll they'll probably be a 30 point game. But as far as the consistency and getting that from him all the time, he came off of two major injuries. He's been gone for two years. And the first time, first day back, he's playing a, a season all the way into to June. I know he missed a lot of this year, but again, like this is a huge ramp up just to go f- from zero back to the NBA finals. There's that. And then there's, um, you know, he's, he's not the same defender that he once was. He tries, but he's not the same. He's not the same lockdown guy that he once was. And then the shot I had just been worrying. Uh, th- those are the two things we were wondering about all this time when you have, you know, the, the lower body injuries that he has. So people are already probably going to say this is a, if they ended up losing, people would probably already start saying that this is an older Warriors team. I can see that coming in the future, but whatever. I don't really care. But the, the part about Draymond, though, yes, call it like it is. If he, if this was a regular season game, he would have probably got tossed. Actually, matter of fact, I don't even know if it, if he, if he would have. Let's just put it this way. That was a double tech situation. Of course, it was a double tech situation. Uh, he already had one. They got into a match that probably warranted a tech on both sides, and it didn't happen. They didn't want to throw Draymond out. Uh, he even admitted as much and said he's earned he's earned that benefit of the doubt or the favor or whatever he said. And I didn't think they were going to throw him out because to alter a game in a series like that, I just feel like it would have to be um, egregious. Is what is the the act would have had to have been egregious is what i think it would have had to have been kind of beyond the shadow of a doubt in that situation and the little talking match and little small touchy match that they had i just didn't think that was enough and i didn't i didn't want him to get thrown out on what would have essentially ended up being a technicality so i know that was a big part of the conversation uh i will say there was definitely some some questionable ass calls in that first quarter but whatever we move over here we're not going into a deep dive of the refs i I don't do that um but that specific situation i can see why people were mad with it i personally just didn't want Draymond thrown out unless he did something that was so uh so ridiculous if he had a kicked him or elbowed him then i'm just like all right well he gotta go but for that nah that that just wasn't enough and i wanted to see them beat them uh, at full strength gary payton is back i'm glad he's back because clearly he adds some value uh don't want doesn't want to win this series where they can say anybody was missing even though inevitably in all these years somebody's missing from a from an important series uh, get it as healthy as possible so yeah going into game three i mean boston has got Hey, they got a great opportunity. I will say, like, unbiased, I think they're going to come out of it 2-2. Um, you, you can, I remember in the <coughs> Miami series, there's a tweet that said all Boston has to do to go to the finals now is win all their home games, which sounded, and then they ended up losing two of them. It sounds way more simple than it is. It's easy to look and just say, up, oh, just win two home games now and you're up 3-1. Could happen, but I think realistically they'll come out of it 2-2. I'm not sure the order yet, but... It's this is a chess match. The next thing that they're gonna have to figure out is what to do with how much you're gonna live with Gary Payton um, taking open shots. How much you're gonna uh, if you're gonna live with putting a big on him, and if that doesn't happen, then uh, it, is that double big rotation gonna last now? How much are you gonna be running that if they're gonna be running Gary Payton a lot? Um, and are you gonna keep your one big on him? They just have uh, they have a lot to figure out with that. 
Uh, the turnovers, if they can clean some of that up, but once again, it just kind of seems like that's who Boston is. Um, stay making sure that you, you limit Steph as much as possible. Once again, nine of twenty-one is it's not bad, but it's not it's not like he absolutely just destroyed them on the shooting end, anyways. Of course, his gravity and then the momentum shots. The one momentum shot he hit where he uh, basically forced Boston to a drop because he was at the hash. And at that point, you're up very, very high. But that's Steph range. So if he comes off screens at the hash, he's just going to have to live with the fact that your big man's going to have to be at the hash with him. So uh, there's that. Um, um, uh, like I said, I'm sure we'll see more and more Warriors from ball ball as time goes on. Even though Kevon Looney, once again, holding his own, he was responsible for two or three of those steals in the in the first quarter. So the hands are there from him. Uh, it's not like you got to get get rid of him. He's you know he's done good things for them. Um, and then hoping we don't get another cold JT game. Which there's one picture from game two where Tatum is he has Jordan Poole guarding him and. The rest of Golden State is practically in help position, so he doesn't end up driving. They had a clear agenda to not let him get going to the tune of like a 40 point game. So um, there, there's a lot to work with here. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the adjustments that that come from both sides. Uh, the, my Aside from some of what we discussed in detail here, I guess my biggest thing would be the turnovers just because don't do anything to help Clay Thompson get going. And so if we're going to have 18 turnovers in the next game, and some of those turn into a couple of Clay Thompson fast break threes, and they actually go this time, prepare for the prepare for the game where he scores 30, man. Prepare for the game where he, he scores uh, 30 or 35. It's not, you know, it's not exactly how it used to be, but prepare yourself. That could come at a time where you're down 2-1, and then <laughs> he has that game, and now you're down 3-1. So, uh, yeah, just do everything you can to prepare for that. And that's... Oh, yeah, Rob Williams. Clear, the health is clearly... The man is doing everything he can. I, I honestly would not be surprised if he was game 3 or 4. Marcus Smart crashed into his leg. I would not be surprised. And I think it was his surgically repaired knee, too. I would not be surprised if he didn't play one of these. And uh, he's... I think they're clearly only getting about half of him when he is on the floor, so... Um, limping to the finish line, he is. That's basically all I have to say about these games, man. Told you this was going to be a short one. I was trying to, I almost thought about making it as short as a barbershop talk, but I wanted to make sure I hit every point that I could. Um, we'll see how much of this comes to life, and we will see what happens in Boston. Let me know what you think about this series now that it's 1-1. Where do you think it is going? And who do you think is going to win it still after the first two games? Be sure to hit the like button, comment, sub. Rate it if you're on Spotify or Apple and hit the bell next to my name. If you are on YouTube, you get a notification every time these drop. Thank you. And I will see you all on the next one.